in the early years, you're like so overwhelmed and so much is changing and going on. And it's hard to get planted and find a foundation. And I want to help be the foundation for people so they can move forward and live with the illness, but not have the illness be like driving everything. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of our autoimmune diagnoses, but ultimately how we thrive in spite of it. I'm your host, Edie Sahesian. I was diagnosed in 2015 with multiple sclerosis. I've learned a lot about MS in myself over the past few years, but the most important thing I realize is that I am going to live my best life. MS and other autoimmune diseases tend to be a bit of a bummer if we let them. So why not battle back by finding our joy? What does authenticity mean to you? Better yet, how does it feel? Can you tell when a person or situation seems inauthentic? How? What are the signals for you? Some synonyms for the word authentic include genuine, original, and real. Trustworthy also comes to mind for me. Samantha Salvaggio trusts her gut. She embraces whatever she is feeling in the moment and works with it instead of against it or ignoring it. Diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2005, she believes that knowledge is power. So she kind of does all the things. Personal trainer, nutritionist, chronic illness coach. Samantha lives on 10 acres and is obsessed with bikini gardening and building a sustainable farm. Peeling back the layers even more here, this ambitious wife and cat lover is super sarcastic and vulgarity seems to be her middle name. So if there are children in the car as you're listening, you might want to have them plug their ears. This should be a fun one, Thrivers. Sam is also the creator of LIFT, which stands for Living with Illness and Fucking Thriving. So how could we not have her on? I am loving this. Let's get to it and chat it up with Sam. Hi, thank you so much for being with me today. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so, so excited. Yay. Have you been on podcasts before? Yeah, I've done a few. They haven't been published yet, but this is my third or fourth one. So I'm still kind of a newbie. Oh no, third or four. That's old hat. <laughs> you're, con- you're considered a professional now, just to <laughs> let you know. <laughs> you know, 2005, it's been a minute. Will you mm-hmm. share with us your diagnosis story? Yeah. Yeah. I was 19. So I'm like 36 now. And I was a sophomore at Ohio State. And I woke up, it was a Saturday morning and I at the end of November in Ohio. So it was cold, but I woke up and the plan was to go to a football game in Ohio State, like a big football school. And it was going to be my first game ever. And so it was a big, exciting thing, but I felt kind of off, but I didn't think much of it you know, like you're in college and you're kind of like having a good time. And so I was just like, oh, maybe I didn't sleep enough. And I got to the game and I was wearing jeans and a t-shirt. And like I said, it was cold. And by the end of the game, I had sweated through all my clothes and it looked like I had like jumped in the shower. Like my 
body could just not regulate temperature. And I just felt like woozy and off. And so I think I powered through because, you know, you go through the whole denial, like this isn't happening. And so I think I powered through to like 10 or so that night and went to home early. And I ended up sleeping for like 20 hours. And then when I woke up, I had double vision. I couldn't walk that well. I couldn't write and lost all coordination in my dominant hand, my right hand. And my face was numb and a few other things. And so I called my friend and was like, hey, let's go to the ER. This is not right. And they initially thought it was a stroke. But then once they did the MRI, they saw other lesions that were characteristic for MS. So they thought it was MS. And I had gotten second and third opinions and stuff. But they both just said I was depressed or had trouble adjusting to college. And that's why I was couldn't write. And so I went with the MS diagnosis. And I'm really glad <laughs> I did because I started medicine right away. And it was not an easy road to recover or anything from that. But um, it, it, the medicine and everything just helped me, I don't know, get back on track. So it took like a good eight months to recover from that initial issue. (laughs) And so what were your prolonged symptoms? What were you dealing with? So the original like attack had happened at the end of November. And I remember it was Christmas Day when I got my vision back and I could finally see like regular and not double. And then by mid-January, when it was time to go back to school, I went back but I still couldn't really write. So I took a tape recorder because I'm old and we didn't even take like laptops to class then and took notes and was really super stubborn and did classes and stuff that way. But I still had trouble walking like every, I don't know, five or 10 minutes, my legs would turn jello-y for like 30 seconds or so and then go away. Um, And so it took like a good eight months for all that to go away. Wow. And yeah. so what meds were you taking? What's your history with your therapies? God, so many. <laughs> I started with Rebus. I mean, I had the normal like flu-like side effects and everything, but it made my legs really heavy and painful. And I think I lasted about a year on it, but it was just like, mm, there's other medicines to try. Let's try something else. So then I tried Avonex and I was on that for a little bit until I had a relapse. And again, it was like, oh, medicine to try. Let's try something else. So then I switched to Copaxone. And at the time, it was injections every day. I think now it's three times a week. But those injections after a year and a half were just like too much. And then I switched to Beta Serum. And then I switched to Delenia and then Texadera. And now I'm on Ocrevus. So it's been like seven medicines in 16 years. Uh, but it sounds excessive when I talk about it, but it's also kind of a positive because medicines just kept coming out. And so when I did have a relapse on something, it was like, oh, you have options now and you don't just have to stick to this one medicine. So I always was trying new stuff. I can't believe you're on. And I know people that have been on Copaxone for years and years and years, Yeah, but Dude, I used the pen and you press that thing. I still have flashbacks about the noise. Yeah. Oh, it was miserable. And so, so yeah, because you were switching so often, was it because you were getting new lesions? 
I did have a few of those relapses. I had new lesions develop, but not all my relapses have had new lesions develop. And so regardless of if a new lesion developed or not, it was like, oh, you're having a relapse and like a significant decline in like quality of life and like what you're able to do. And so let's try these other options if you want. I mean, the doctors never push me one way or the other. I just always felt why stay on something if it's not working. I think Tecfidera and Jelenia were the two that I like stayed on to make sure. And I had a relapse. And then after the second relapse is when I switched for both of those. Okay. And so now what do you deal with on a daily basis in terms of your MS? I think the last year or so has been a lot different than what I'm used to with MS. You know, I mean, 15, 16 years is a long time. And over time, things add up. And I think that's what's been happening the last year. So what I've been able to do recently has changed. But I have chronic pain. I have chronic fatigue. I have like weird sensations and numbness and burning and tingling on my arms and like left side, like torso, legs, like balance issues, coordination issues, muscle like spasms and tremors are another huge one. I'm like probably forgetting a ton. I have like damage from optic neuritis. So that's always there. What do you do for the spasms? Do you have to take anything for that or you just let it ride? I take baclofen at night, but I can't take it during the day because it makes me too tired. So try to do just like stretching. And honestly, I try to constantly be moving. I'm not one to sit at a computer and stuff for too long because then my body does kind of get crampy and tight. Um, And so it's a little bit of lifestyle modification and like trying to move and stay active and then also some medicine. Gotcha. But your background with being the health person that you are in all of, like I was saying in the intro, geez, you know, chronic illness coach, nutritionist, personal trainer, like you got a lot of hats on there. So how do you manage like all of that stuff with trying to deal with your body? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I think would be the short <laughs> answer. I mean, not all the time. I don't know. Because of being diagnosed with MS, that was what originally got me into eating healthier and being like more into the power of food. And so that's what led me to be a nutritionist. And then that kind of snowballed into like physical fitness and movement to like heal And so that's what led me to be the personal trainer. So everything is just kind of like combined um, into, I don't know, day to day, but I don't know. I just try to do what I can when I can and not stress too much when I can't get stuff done. (laughs) (laughs) All these things that you do today with the lifestyle and your passion for helping others through your life coaching and all of this is, was that your original intent when you went to school at Ohio state? What were you originally going for? Oh my God. No, not at all. Um, I was studying pharmaceutical sciences and so it was a pharmaceutical sciences degree, but it was also considered like a pre-med or pre-pharmacy school track. And I was just going to study pharmaceutical sciences and then go into pharmaceutical sales and did that and went into the clinical trials in like corporate world and didn't like it. 
And so then I switched over to like nutrition school. And for a second, I thought I was going to be a dietitian and work in like a hospital. And I was like, no, I really don't want to do that. And so then I started working at Lululemon and a small fitness studio in the area. And I just really fell in love with that and seeing people come in all stressed and worn down from their day and then leave feeling like confident and happy after they were able to like work out. So that's when all the pieces came together. Oh, it's like food and fitness and then a little bit of a science background with some MS thrown in and like this little hodgepodge. Yeah. Like I said, all the things, holy macaroni. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So now you live on these 10 acres. Do you have goats and pigs and chickens and all of that what does this look like no man i wish my husband i'm the impulsive one and i jump around if you can't tell and my husband's more practical and so i'm the one that's like i want to get a donkey and i want goats and chickens and bees and and i have this whole plan and my husband's like let's just stick to plants for now (laughs) so no animals or anything yet I mean, there's plenty of stuff to do with the plants and the garden and everything. But I think once we get a little bit more under control with managing that, we've been talking about bees and chickens, and I'm still holding on to the hope of a donkey (laughs) someday. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, Yeah. just don't stand behind it, because I hear those things buck pretty bad, man. So take us on like a mental tour of your garden. What kinds of things would we find there? So there's two parts. We have the more decorative and aesthetic garden around the house. And then out in the yard is our raised bed garden. So around the house are like all the really pretty like flowers and bushes. And then the raised bed garden has like a arbor. It's like a hoop that's covered in wisteria, which is really pretty like viney green purple flowers so in theory you would walk through that and then there are six raised beds that are four feet by 16 feet and they're filled with filled with fruits and veggies so we have like raspberries blueberries strawberries tomatoes peppers eggplant beans lots of herbs i think that's watermelon cantaloupe and some other stuff and then oh squash and zucchini um and then the back is lined with a flower um bed that currently is filled with sunflowers and stuff for the summer. And then there's a little greenhouse thing behind that. And then there's a little pond off to the side. So it's nice. It's really it's beautiful. The amount of work is a lot, but it's also like the way I say things. So <laughs> it's yeah. a good It sounds lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you located? Because it sounds like you'd have to be in a pretty moderate climate to grow those items. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in North Carolina. So I'm near like the Raleigh Durham area. And uh, yeah, I grew up in Ohio, like with Ohio State and everything. And it's way better down here. Like it's just so much sunnier and warmer for longer. So you can like really grow a lot. Yeah, and I'm you're soaking up that vitamin D with the bikini yeah. gardening. I'm thinking. I know. That's <laughs> <laughs> lovely. I lo- yeah, yeah. So it sounds like you're keeping yourself busy. And I know yeah. that you <laughs> I know that you are on TikTok like 
wild. And Mm -hmm. so that must keep you busy too. the socials. You know, I find people wherever, but in that space specifically, you have to really draw people's attention in. And I really think that you do that. How do you focus and find the right things to talk about and choose your topics? What does that look like for you? Kind of twofold. I think initially when I was thinking about creating more content and stuff for MS and everything, I tried to put myself back in the shoes of a 19-year-old girl that life was flipped upside down and like trying to figure out what I wish I would have known because especially back in 2005, like social media wasn't and the internet wasn't how it is now. And it was just so lonely and like just confusing, like a giant mindfuck. And so I just thought about what I would want to hear or learn about from that standpoint. But then I really listened to what people are saying and like comments that are left and stuff and questions people ask and things people are worried about because you've had MS for a long time too. And by default, you end up running into all these like weird situations and you pick up like little tips and tricks that you've learned. And so I just try to share all those things based off of whatever people are asking for. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, it doesn't seem contrived. And I think that's where the authenticity piece comes in. You can really feel your spirit there. And it's not like you're making it up. It's not put together for a long time. You're just really coming out there and sharing your thoughts. And so can you share with us how that plays out in your everyday life? Yeah, I mean, I think for better or worse, I've always kind of been like, this is me and sorry if you don't like it. And so... And I've always really appreciated like when people have been straightforward and stuff with me. And so I try to do the same. And I also just in general don't appreciate like a lot of like fluff or sugarcoating. Like the stuff that resonates with me is the stuff that's like straightforward, telling it how it is with a touch of the sarcasm and like maybe a little dark humor. And so that naturally is like just how I communicate and stuff. So I don't know. I don't really change who I am in whatever setting I'm in. And sometimes that's great, like on TikTok and sometimes like in a very professional environment, that's not so great. (laughs) So it just kind of (laughs) depends, but you're going to get the same fam. (laughs) Yeah. I like that though. It's just, this is who I am. And I wouldn't even say sorry about it because why apologize for what makes you, you, you know, it's interesting though, because as a life coach, I know, like you were saying, I'm going to tell you the real thing, but I hear you have a message, right? I hear you. Like you said, you have those tips and tricks and things. So as a life coach in someone in this space, you work primarily, I'm assuming with people with multiple sclerosis, what does that look like with your business? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a combo. I have a few clients and some have MS and some have other chronic illnesses, but we just work on whatever is they need at the time. I think that's one of the benefits in like all the hats I wear and then also like 
my ability to like be straightforward and open is a chance to lend like people I work with to also be open and straightforward and feel like comfortable sharing and being vulnerable with what they really want help with. It kind of depends. Like some people, it's like more workout and accountability and coming up with workout plans. And then other people, it's I need more mindset help and figuring out like structures and routines just so I can, you know, not be completely consumed by living with a chronic illness. So it varies. Yeah. And it sounds like you really individualize the program Mm -hmm. or plan for each person. But to get to a point where I'm fucking thriving... It takes a lot of work. And so, uh, you know, I hear you say things like exercise and minimizing stress, prioritizing sleep Mm -hmm. and healthy eating, balanced diet, listen to your body. (laughs) But I also hear you say consistency. So how do I keep, how would I keep all of that going without beating myself up when I mess up? Yeah, I think the one thing I always put like at the forefront of my mind is no one's perfect. And it's like life isn't perfect and there's going to be ups and downs. And if there's anything that living with MS has taught me, it's that. And also there's a lot of unpredictability and you just need to like have the ultimate goal of like, hey, I want to feel better. I'm not 100% sure what that looks like, but I want to improve my life. And then just keep your eyes on that goal, but also understand that things will happen and you will need to shift and pivot and you may need to like take a little like back way to get back on track to that goal. But as long as that end is always in sight, like to me, it makes it easy to be consistent because it's okay, I'm just working towards that. And I'm not going to focus on if I messed up or ate a cake or a whole pizza or whatever. I'm just going to move forward and do what I can in the future. Yeah, I think that's a huge challenge. And my friend Angie, about a year ago, she said to me, so you can't beat yourself up like we were just talking about, but it's starting that next meal even or the next day fresh. Yeah. And I toil with that as I asked you about the consistency, because even in podcasting, they say that's the number one thing is to be consistent. And so last week, well, whenever last week when this is being taped, (laughs) I was I always put out the shows like I edit them myself and I put them out. And I make sure they're there at least a couple days before they're supposed to be published. But that week, I just felt like, I don't want to work on this. Yeah, And I was like, not sleeping and getting up early the next day on Tuesday when it was supposed to be published so that I could do it first thing in the morning because I couldn't release it on Wednesday. Like you guys would all be okay with that. If it came out on Wednesday, Yeah, it's not like the worst thing, but like I had to do it. And I think it takes a lot of commitment, whatever it is in your life, whether it's your diet or the exercise or mindset, it takes a lot of commitment and focus to be in that space where I'm going to be okay changing my life and doing something different every day. So I think that plays a big role, the consistency and the commitment to be consistent even. So where you talk about mindset, I think that really is the starting point, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think so. For me, that was the changing point. I had tried so many times in the past, like get healthier and get my life on track and like finally be happy and be like the picture perfect person. But that always failed. And it wasn't until I was just like, okay, forget everything. I'm taking it moment by moment. And I'm listening to my body and doing what I need to feel better. And that's it. And that that's where my focus is. And once I committed to that, it was it made it a lot easier because it was just like, okay, well, like, I don't want to force myself to edit this podcast early. That's not what (laughs) is good for me in the moment. And people understand and that's okay. And I need to put myself first because that's like where my commitment is. And so it just made it a lot easier to make decisions and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So I like what you just said. I got to know where my commitment lies because I, I, so I struggle with eating. I'm a little bit of a overeater. And so where is that commitment? Am I committed to beating myself up about it? Am I committed to one thing today that I'm going to do? What is the thing I'm committing to? I'm committing to myself. Yeah. And what's true to me? I don't know. I'm just trying to process because this is making me think about a lot of things. And sometimes I can't pinpoint where that commitment is because I it's easier to commit to others than myself for sure. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like I'm committing to myself and I'm committing to like my future self. So I think when you were talking, I was thinking maybe that was what I was doing is just shifting my thoughts from focusing so much on the past to making a commitment to be better in the future. So with talking about food, it was just like, okay, I know how it feels when I eat a large pizza by myself. And it feels really great when I'm doing it, but it doesn't feel good for the next few days after. And I don't want that for my future self. And so that was like what would help keep me on track is, oh, I'm going to have a salad because I'm going to feel better after it. Or I'm going to take this 10 minute walk because I know that the Sam in 10 minutes is going to be way better and happier than the Sam like before she walked or that type of thing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I You're bringing up lots of feelings and emotions in Uh-oh. my head. Sorry. <laughs> That's what this is supposed to do. Don't apologize. But yeah, I gotta, I gotta have some focus there. And it does, you said, you know, you have to shift your thoughts from what happened in the past to what you want that future to look like. And I feel like I need to write that on a sticky and post it on the mirror in the morning because (laughs) I think about that and I revert back because it's comfortable too. Oh God. Um, Yeah. So true. Yeah. And it's funny because you say eat a whole pizza, but so pizza's got gluten and dairy in it. And those two things don't work well for me personally. And I end up with a food hangover for two Mm -hmm. days and the spasticity is nuts. And so I end up going, why am I punishing myself with this pizza for this momentary thing? So yeah, and I got to think about that. Think about what it's going to feel like in two days for the next two days uh, instead of even right now in the present. Well, and it was also like, like there was definitely that. And it was the other thing I always think about is, you know, MS just kind of or any chronic illness just loves to throw in curveballs whenever the hell it wants. And um, I don't need to make it even harder on myself. 
And so I try to make choices. So when MS does decide to like go nuts because it's a hundred degrees outside and I'm being stubborn and like trying to garden that at least I'm feeling the best I possibly can and not adding to it by having that food hangover from a pizza the night before or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I like your dedication though. And getting out there and trying to fight it. I'm trying to walk in the mornings too. And I've been, it's getting hot in Orlando. So I've been using the, which I never used those before, but those like wet towel things. What are they They help. Yeah. It helps a lot. It helps a lot. Doing that little adjustment too uh, makes a difference. And it allows me to be able to continue to do things I like. But I have a dog. Her name is Lily. And I know you Uh, have a cat named Lily and another one named Cliff. Tell us about your relationship with your cats, will you? Oh, God. They're, I mean, they're my life. And I know, I know they're not humans, but my God, they really are like my children. Lily was originally a one year anniversary present, a one year dating anniversary present with my husband. And so it was, or she was originally a gift for him. And she's really like my kind of emotional support. Like she always knows like when I don't feel well or something's wrong and will come sit or, you know, she lets me cry and like not all over her. And just, she's just such a little cuddle bug. I mean, she's also a very spicy, like itchy old grandma cat, but <laughs> she's also loving. And then Cliff, we got when we moved down to North Carolina, so about 12 years ago, or maybe a little bit longer, because Lily had always grown up with other cats. And once we moved down here, she was alone and she was starting to just gain weight and like sleep all day. And it was just like, you need a little friend. And so we brought Cliff home and he's an orange cat and he, he's a special boy. Like <laughs> he has a lot of energy. He's got a lot to say. But he's a wonderful cat, but he's not as openly friendly as Lily can be. Like, he doesn't like people in his house, and he doesn't like anyone besides my husband and I. And even, like, me, he gets bitchy with. But my husband's the one that, I mean, they're like two peas in a pod. So. <laughs> That's cute to see. That's cute to see them together, too, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think, I don't know. I've always been had animals and stuff. And I just think they have an ability to sense and understand and offer like love in ways that are really meaningful when you're like struggling or just any day time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I think there's a lot of research out there that tells us that. I mean, people have support animals for a reason. Yeah. Really isn't a support animal, but Man, I can't wait to get home and hang out with her. Oh my and I God, feel yeah. guilty when I'm not there. And I know that she's not a real human, like you said, but she's my baby. I call her my baby. Yeah. We all Same. laugh about it, my friends and I. But yeah, you too, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think I have so many friends now that have kids that I think they're starting to get offended when I'm like, oh, yeah, my, my baby, Lily. And but it's, she really, I mean, they run the house. And so I feel like so do children. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it's great because it's something to take care of and nurture and grow mm-hmm. with. But I, yeah, I feel like the pet takes more care of me than I do of her even. It's really, yeah. Nice. So, yeah. So let's see. 
I wanted to also talk to you a little bit more about what your future looks like with (laughs) your business and where that's going for you. What are your future plans? I don't 100% know. I think if my like last 15, 16 years have shown me anything is that, you know, you never can really know where you're going. Um, but I mean, I'm currently doing the coaching. I also have the Lyft Collective, which is like a monthly membership community that has like access to stuff on mindset and fitness and nutrition. So there's like workouts and recipes. And I mean, I'll do whatever type of content in there that people request. And so there's that. I think where I'm going in the future is to continue advocating that life isn't over when you're diagnosed with MS and also teaching people, especially like newly diagnosed people, like about all the things that like doctors don't have time to tell you or they just won't tell you and just. I don't know the ways MS can affect your life. Cause I think a lot of times, especially in the early years, you're like so overwhelmed and so much is changing and going on. And it's hard to get planted and find a foundation. And I want to help be the foundation for people so they can move forward and live with the illness, but not have the illness be like driving everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I think. More specifically answer your question, I'm probably going to do like some type of online courses and stuff that people could do on their own that would just be like an MS 101 and just really go through all the medicines, go through the things that can happen with MS, like heat intolerance and things that can help and stuff like that. Because like I said, it's so frequent with MS that something's happening in your body and it's just, oh shit, what do I do? And it just would be nice to have a resource and be like, oh, here's this person that does things realistically and not super clinically in an easy to understand way. And let me look at the resources that they gave me. So, mm-hmm. And I think that that is really a specific thing for different people. There's a lot of life coaches out there, but every one of them is different and you need to find the person that you connect with. And I think in that place of authenticity, that's you. You're in that place where it's real and I can tell and it's not over Mm -hmm. the top. And I love that about you. And that's what draws people to you, I believe. So from listening to what people are saying, be vulnerable. Nobody is perfect. Life isn't perfect. There's going to be ups and downs. Take it moment by moment. Shift your thoughts from the past to the future. And life is not over when you're Mm -hmm. diagnosed with MS. Sam, thank you so, so much for chatting with me today. Will you tell people where they can find you so they can reach out? Yes. Yeah. Thank you again for having me. I can be found at samanthasalvaggio.com. That's my website. I'm assuming the link's going to be in the show notes and stuff, but I'll spell Salvaggio out anyways. Um, so it's Samantha, S-A-L-V as in Victor, A-G-G-I-O dot com. And then I'm on Instagram and TikTok at S-L-S-A-L-V-A-G-G-I-O. So S-L Salvaggio. Those are like the two or the three big places. Yeah, I think that's it. It's hard to keep track because of the hat. <laughs> 
<laughs> there are so many. Oh yeah. my gosh. I, I am like, what am I, where am I going and where am I finding this? But yeah, especially, okay. So you go on her Instagram and there's lots of great information, all those little tips and tricks she was talking about. And you yeah. go on her TikTok and there's those same things, but it's a little bit more entertaining. Yeah. So you got to oh, find yeah. <laughs> which place is good for you. And the website has lots of information and definitely places that you can seek out support from Sam. So I'm a little surprised at the minimal amount of cursing that occurred during our time together. (laughs) (laughs) I really tried. Every time I was like, don't say it, don't say it. Oh, say it. We're all humans here. So, but thank you again. Thanks so much, Sam, for being here with me. Please keep thriving. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for everything that you're doing. Your podcast is so meaningful and definitely fills a space that needed to be filled in the MS community. So thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. If you would like to join our growing community of thrivers, there are a lot of ways to do so. Visit the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. There you'll find links to all our social media, my blog, and lots more. See you next time when we chat it up with another autoimmune warrior on the Thriving Over Surviving Podcast. Keep thriving. Thriving.